Ba-da-da-da. Welcome to Fourth Times the Charm, where niche is neat. I'm your producer, Ben, alongside the draw, Monty. Hello. Monty, what's up, dude? Uh, what, what's up? You are our star. You're our, star. I'm I'm a yeah, sidekick. Yeah, you're our star. <laughs> no, I don't think so. You're you are the draw. What? You are no longer catering. You, the only reason you sit in catering is because you are our star. You are our, our crown jewel. You are the ace. <laughs> Monty is the ace of fourth times the charm. How so? Why? You're what the draw. It, every everyone everyone <laughs> loves to listen to to Monty or ghost stories. Uh, your first episode was was very was very good. It was oh, around a lot oh. of interest from the outside community, uh, and, and maybe yeah. even more spirits will be listening in. I really appreciate everyone. It was my first shot. Um, I got some feedback from listeners, and I will do better on my next one, which I am in the middle of translating. Like, oh, you have no idea, Ben. Like, holy shoot, man. Translating takes a lot of time. <laughs> I bet. I bet. <laughs> so, like, I'm like, what I'm doing is, is I'm listening and then I have to pause. And then every time someone says a sentence, I have to figure out, like, how to word it in proper Good English. Lord. Not like, you know, those 70s kung fu movies where they dub them over and they sound ridiculous and not saying that the mouth don't match because obviously you guys can't see my mouth but you know they just sound they just make up words to fill out the 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 stuff so i'm trying not to do that because i know you will yell at me and matt will yell at me so so are these are these fraud them fraud our listeners are 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 these as direct a translation as possible or are you ref- like, are you reframing it to be from your perspective? So or they are. So the people that are telling these stories are, or stories that I read my number one, the ones I read, it's challenging because I, I'm not great. I'm okay reading Chinese. Um, so for me, I have to like, sometimes use Google translate to, f- or, or do some word, uh, Chinese dictionary checks to see like what the words mean, or am I, am I, th- if, if I reading that word, that character correctly. And then right. when it comes to listening, like the stories I listen to, um, they are all told by, you know, perfecto, you know, proper speaking, Chinese people, you know, or whatever area they're from, um, they use, it's kind of like there's us chatting like this, like shooting the shit. And then there is the type that are like news correspondents and journalists that are telling these stories. So their dialogue is much more profound, uh, like well developed, not profound developed and so i'm trying to listen into it and then when they say something like you know like if they use something like um in english i would say uh holy crap ben outside it's like raining cats and dogs eh? i'm not gonna like oh my god is it really like directly translate it is raining (laughs) cats and i have to figure out what he meant by saying that and then i have to do some you know, figuring out how to say it in English, which makes sense, and then retell the story that way. So that's how I'm coming up with the scripts and 
Yeah, I apologize. Well, going through all that (laughs) and and having as good of a first episode as you did, I'm very impressed. Uh, In comparison, what we're going to talk about today Mm. is going to be a little more rustic uh, Mm. because Monty had a long day today. I'm sick, and so my chicken noodle soup is pro wrestling. Yeah. So it's been something I've had something I've had on the back burner for a while. Yes. Is I wanted to go take Monty through a bit of a history lesson. And since it's an audio medium, I wanted to look back at some of the greatest talkers of this business. And Mm. I wanted to frame it around one of the most underappreciated aspects of pro wrestling. And that is the pro wrestling manager. Now, Monty, when you hear pro wrestling manager, what comes to mind? Oh, uh, definitely. I know in our green room, I mentioned Mr. Fuji as one of the ones that I, I admire because he's the first Asian, you know, wrestling wrestler that I seen growing up before I got to know Japanese yeah, wrestling. Um, Mr. Bobby, the brain Heenan, uh, definitely a legend there. I love how he, when he managed Ravishing Rick Rude, uh, did he ma- he did he manage the demolition at one point? No, right. That uh, was Mister Mi- Mister. Right? Yeah, Mister Fuji managed de- uh, demolition. Yeah, uh, and then I think he yeah. ditched them for the Powers of Pain, which is like oh, the biggest yeah. downgrade you could ever do. <laughs> yeah, and and oh, shoot, Ben, help me out here. The name, uh, Paul. Legion of Doom, Road Warriors. Uh, Paul Ellering. Paul Ellering, yes. He, he's one of my favorites. Then you get the girls, which is like Sherry, Sensational Sherry. You got um, Sunny for the Body Donnas. Is it? That's what they're called? Yeah. I think. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And then Cindy Lauper at one point. Cindy Lauper, very good. <laughs> so, All right. Uh, yeah, so- I, I'm still not a pro like you. Well, 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 hey, uh, real quick, Monty, did you know mm-hmm. the very first ever uh, commercially released figure of a wrestler was an Asian wrestler? First action figure? The very, the very, well, not no. sure if action, well, sort of. Like you're talking yeah, about wrestling. Yeah, yeah, it was. So, so the very first wrestling dolls were of uh giant baba and antonio Inoki, i believe but even before oh, that that doesn't the, there was a james bond line of action figures ah. and there was a figure of odd job yes and odd job was played by wrestler harold sakata like but that doesn't count as a wrestling figure no but it's, it's, a, it's a figure it's a figure of a wrestler yes yeah that's what i was gonna say it's it's in the ballpark at least it's in the ballpark yeah but yeah so, oh that's a fun fact well you know what ben i love when you talk wrestling with me so <laughs> i love it when you talk wrestling to me <laughs> i love it yeah so well we're right, gonna talk about wrestling fact. today We're going to talk about wrestling managers and what we're really going to focus on are wrestling heel managers, the bad guys, because wrestling managers in general have existed uh, in time immemorial. And for the most part, they were actually the managers of the wrestlers, even into the eighties. When you have guys like Paul Ellering, he was legitimately their manager. He would do, he would plan their travel. 
he would get them from place to place. He'd make sure they don't die. Yeah. Like he, he was actually a third member of that team. And that's something that goes really uh, underlooked. But what we're going to look at is the linguistical talents. And we're going to see where guys like Don Callis and Paul Heyman, where their ilk was derived from. And unlike a lot of aspects of pro wrestling, we have a Luca for the pro wrestling heel manager. Do you know what a Luca is Monty? No. It is the last unique common ancestor. Oh, the, uh, Luca. yeah. So I was thinking of so, Mexican wrestling. <laughs> no, no, That's a Luca. Uh, but, but in, when human genealogy, right? Yeah. Luca is the closest ancestor that everyone on earth is related to, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone on earth shares a gene that can be traced back to this ethereal being right yeah and so we have that for the pro wrestling manager uh and what we're going to do on today's episode is we're going to follow these promos all the way through up to the modern day and the first one we're going to do monty wait wait before you start i do have a question yes my hands up in the yes i'm just curious yes so when you say like managers, they they booked events and everything like that, but then they kind of transitioned over the years, right? They become like a it's not I wouldn't I don't want to say side act, but they just like, we're gonna get into it. Ah, okay. We're gonna okay. Get, we're gonna get cool, into cool. it at least a all little right. bit. All right, all right. <clears throat> so the very first guy we're gonna look at here, yeah, his name is Bobby Davis. And he is the original wrestling heel manager. The clip we're going to listen to is from 1960. Uh, He came up in, I believe, the late 50s. And then his heyday was really the 1960s. So for reference, uh, wrestling has moved away from the theaters Mm -hmm. and into home television sets. Uh, Buddy Rogers is the world champion who is Bobby Davis's uh, key man. Uh, but there is no one on the scene at this time who's quite like Bobby Davis. So Monty, when you're ready, we're all going to take a dive and listen to Mr. Wrestling himself. Yep. Count me in, man. All right, everyone. We're going to head in in three, two, one, play. Time once again, and instead of having a wrestler for you this time, we have a surprise, and I hope it'll be a treat for you to get the inside on some of the activity behind one of the wrestlers, one of the better, if not the best-known wrestler in the ring today, Buddy Rogers. I'd like to have you meet his manager, Bobby Davis. Good evening, George. How are you this evening? Fine. How are you, Bobby? Fine. It's always a great pleasure to be here. You know, I think today you're looking at, without a doubt, the greatest. <laughs> Uh, not only the greatest, but the proudest, the happiest man in professional wrestling, George. Because as you know, my champion has romped, stomped over everything that I've put in his path. He's without a doubt the most fantastic, the most well-conditioned athlete in professional wrestling today. And the only fault that I have is that I just can't find any competition for Buddy. It seems that none of these fellows have enough talent. Well, I've seen them, they're well-muscled, and a few of them have guts, and uh, a few of them have a little bit of everything. But nobody has everything that it takes to make a great wrestler. You know, where Buddy and I come from, it takes, first of all, well-conditioning, 
It takes a lot of strength, a lot of power. It takes a lot of G-U-T-S guts. Early and 60s. first and foremost, it takes a lot of brains. My champion has all of these factors. And when it comes to brains, he's far superior, far ahead of anything else in professional wrestling today. Bobby, uh, how have you helped him as his manager? <laughs> how have I helped? I am the brains behind the champion. When, when it comes to the champion, you know, they don't even call me Bobby Davis anymore. They call me Mr. Wrestling. If I ever turn off that spout, there'll be no more world champions because I have the greatest. I'm behind the one and only champion, Buddy Nature Boy Rogers. When I sit in that corner, it's for one reason and one reason only, that's to watch for his faults. But since I've been managing him, there have been no faults and nothing to look for. Well, I guess that takes care of me, and there you have Bobby Davis, Mr. Wrestling. All right, Bobby Davis, mm-hmm. Mr. Wrestling, he said so himself. It is a very crude wrestling promo today. Okay. But back in the 50s, and, and you can see, right, the, the guy who's interviewing him, they sound pretty much like us. Like, <laughs> hey, so we got a, a guy here. You know, people aren't used to talking. Uh, I I think it was, I, I was looking at a series on Terry Funk, and they were saying that back in this era, yeah. If you could talk, it would help you, but you Mm. didn't need to talk. Like, television was a secondary thing. So to have someone like Bobby Davis, who was just a manager on the outside and was still, you know, being a dick to all the good guys, it was pretty novel. Uh, What do you think? Yeah, he's, uh, you can tell a lot of people have carried on his smack talk uh, from how he did it back in the day. Which is like he keeps he's pretty, pretty fast, pretty witty too. It's not like he had to stop and think about it that much. So yeah, he just comes over off so naturally, but... naturally arrogant. <laughs> yeah, he comes across really like a prick. You know, yeah. he's he's not doing anything overwhelmingly insulting. He says my guy's the best. Yeah, without going too far, but he looks like a smarmy prick. Yeah, uh, and he dresses up. You know he. Like one. <laughs> yeah, he dresses like one, but it's all pretty subtle. Yeah, you know, and he keeps calling himself the brains, mm. uh, which which I feel like You'll we might get, get we we might get a return to that. Yeah, down the line here. Yeah, but anyway, so so that is our beloved Luca. That is Bobby Davis. I have never heard of anyone who came before Bobby Davis. Um, I'm beginning and, to think and, there's a yeah. huge connection between him and the brain that we all know of so but i think we'll get to that yeah we're we're gonna get there but first we're gonna make a pit stop in the wwwf there was a wrestler lou albano all right yeah yeah so that so uh first it was the capital wrestling corporation Mm -hmm. because the wwwf's weekly tv show emanated from washington dc capital wrestling oh, from washington okay in 1963 they split off from the national wrestling alliance mm. and as such to make themselves look more major league they renamed themselves the worldwide wrestling federation okay. then when vince mcmahon took over in the early 80s he shortened that name to the world wrestling federation the wwf oh okay so we are still in WWWF territory mm-hmm. uh, where we come upon a man named Lou Albano. He was a oh, moderately successful yeah. mid-card wrestler. 
Uh, pretty wild, but the issue is that he wasn't a very good wrestler. Oh, I was going to say. He was a pretty good talker. And so... So he, he, it was he did wrestle for a bit. He did. He just never he did. carried on, eh? Yes, sir. Oh, yeah, he, okay. he wrestled for, for quite some time. But it wasn't until the 1970s where he would find his calling as one of the great pro wrestling managers. And more so than that, he would introduce a completely new style of wrestling promo to the masses. Mm. Where instead of having the reserved smooth talker type uh type uh bobby davis promo we see captain lou adopting this early cable tv sort of new generation new wave style of promo which is a lot more manic a lot more energetic and that's what we're going to listen to here with captain lou albano in the golden terror uh, this is from in the middle of his managing run of 1978 you ready monty count us in three two one play the golden terror is he ready for this thursday night Never heard of a golden. Are you ready for this Thursday night? There's a reason. Does a cat have a tail? Okay. Most of them do. Do a pussy cat walk through the woods? (laughs) Is he ready? Look at the man. Can you see through the mask? You get a close up of his eyes. Is that Vince? Determination. (laughs) Will to win. Mentally balanced, mentally competent, physically fit, speed, agility, power. Suplex artist, chicken wing specialist, step over toe hole. Golden Terror is terrified. Do a pussycat have a tail? Answer that, brother. I don't think we've ever seen the Golden Terror use a suplex in the square. Well, I think you're soft, so what? Maybe it's an optical illusion. Maybe you haven't been able to focus your eyes quick enough to catch the man in action. He's been known to suplex from his knees. <laughs> Can you do that? What is Get the golden, Calhoun out here right now. What does the Golden Terror have to say about this? Don't say nothing. Quiet. All right? He's not talking, Bumblebee. <laughs> How do you like that, boy? <laughs> so there you have it. From Louis Albano and the Golden you Terror, the Golden Terror <laughs> will join Haystacks, Calhoun, and many others this Thursday night. Okay, so like this is way on the other end of the spectrum, right? From Bobby Davis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You mean Lou Captain Albano. Lou Albano? <laughs> Lou Albano is one of the most underrated people when it comes to defining the character of what would become the 1980s WWF. Larger than life, colorful, Saturday mm-hmm. morning cartoon-esque. He was one of the first guys that brought that energy to the WWF and then the WWF, and it was as a manager. Uh, oh. So it's cool to still have these snippets available of Lou Albano while he was uh while he was managing. What, yeah, he, what, what do you think? He like I I remember watching him like he was very big when I was growing up. Like he was in television shows, he was in there, he was also he I think he did his own all the wrestlers did they no, not all the wrestlers did their own voice on the 80s cartoon show, right? Oh, the uh, uh the, rock and wrestling. Yeah, and I think he was in the Goonies uh, music video with Cindy Lauper. He played yeah. her dad, and yeah, he's pretty. 
I, I just like, I just remember him with the earrings. Like he always has the fancy earrings that hangs he was out. Mario in there. the Mario Super Show. Yeah, that's right. That's true. And yeah, he's he's pretty good. So who is the Golden Terror? That's a great question. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if anyone knows that here. I'll I'll, I'll check here. All right. Uh, the Golden Terror. Who do you think it is, Monty? I honestly can't tell through that mask. He looked nervous as hell. I've never seen such shifty eyes. <laughs> okay. The Golden Terror. Oh, no. Okay. There's... <laughs> okay, there's there's multiple Golden Terrors here. Um. Oh, my. Uh, he... Oh, man, there's multiple Golden Terrors in WWWF. Oh. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, this is tricky. There's, okay, oh, it's... Uh, is it Joe, Mighty Joe Thunder, whatever his name is? It's either it's either Mighty Joe Thunder mm-hmm. or it's Pete Doherty. Oh, I don't know any of those. I, 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 I think it's Bob Merrill who was... Who was Mighty Joe Thunder as well? We'll go with that because okay. Mighty Joe Thunder is like the best wrestling name I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like people in these outfits, it's just it's just hard to tell. Like even is it true Blue Blazer has always been Owen Hart, or no? There was yeah. multiple Blue Blazers. Well, so what would happen back in the day? And, and I don't know if this was the case with Owen Hart, but yeah. certain territories did do this where to save money. They have a mask. Having wrestling. talents, they would have someone wrestle twice in one night, once under a mask. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so. oh, okay. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Well, uh, someone who I don't believe ever wrestled under a mask. Uh, he probably couldn't wrestle under a mask <laughs> because he had far, far too much brains. Uh this man uh, came up into the wrestling business in the 60s, so pretty early on, um, and there's promos of him that you can still find online from the 60s managing the likes of Blackjack Mulligan. Mm-hmm. Very much, I would say, framed in the same mindset of a Bobby Davis. Yeah. However, this guy was a little bit faster, a little more quick-witted. And whereas Bobby Davis might have said that he had brains, he wasn't the brain. That would go to, in many people's opinions, the single greatest manager of all time. And commentator. Bobby the Brain Hayden. He was really And good commentator, commentator, yes. Yeah. All right. So what we're going to show you here is a promo from Bobby the Brain Heenan while he was managing Nick Bockwinkle. In the AWA. So this <laughs> is right before Bobby Heenan gets poached by Vince McMahon and oh. goes to the WWF. This is the stuff many people consider Bobby Heenan's AWA work his prime. Uh, but it's been sort of forgotten about just because the AWA went under. But we're going to check it out right here, right now. Yes, it's Mean Gene, but it is the AWA. Vince McMahon stole a lot from these territories. Mm-hmm. And we're going to play in three, two, one, play. 
Are you fans in this area well aware of the fact that a young man from down in neighboring Milwaukee, a very impressive athlete in the Olympics, I'm talking about Lorenz Susi, Bobby Heenan. Lawrence, You've Susie. got a big Ooh. smile on your face tonight. Impressive in the Olympics. Who cares about watching a bunch of children wrestle? Who cares about the Olympics? Oh, it's a great thing for the country, but who cares about Laurent the Sissy? That's his name? Laurent Sissy. <laughs> Nine months they had to come up with another name, and that's the best they could do. Laurent. <laughs> yes. That's the most important thing they could come up with in nine months. Show you the mentality of the parents. Of course, you went to the University of Wisconsin, right? In Madison. Don't, don't take a whole lot to get in there. I guess you have to be able to, the entrance exam, you have to be able to write your name in three different colors of crayon. I could care less your wrestling ability. I could care about your amateur background. You're in the ring now with a professional. I'm going to go behind that man so much, he's going to think he's stuck in a revolving door. <laughs> I'm going to take him down, take him around, show him the town. I'm going to reverse neck snap his neck. I'm going to dislocate both his shoulders. Then I might just paintbrush until my hands are swollen shut. But another good news for you and everybody else. I have signed. I went to Japan in July. I was there the whole month. Where are that? I'm not aware of what you're aware of. <laughs> I'm aware of my business. <laughs> I went to Japan in July, and I signed the most lucrative contract oh, for Nick Bockwinkel in the history of professional wrestling for any world champion. He's going to defend his title in Germany, and he's going to defend his title in Japan, and I pulled it off. That's why I'm manager of the year four times in a row. And high flyers, you can run, but there's no place to hide. You're running, like, you're running now like rats. The water level's coming up to your bellies, and you've got no place to hide. <laughs> Man. Oh, just, whoa, fast. Just, He's was, faster than Mr. Wrestling himself. Holy <laughs> that's shoot. right, yeah. yeah. 1978, that's the same year as the Lubano promo. It's like 15 years or so after the Bobby Davis promo. And I mean, he's untouchable, right? Yeah. Holy shoot. Yeah, nah, I he's mean, pretty good. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it, it's crazy, like because, you know... One of my side things is I like to go watch like really old wrestling that everyone's forgotten about. Mm -hmm. Bobby Heenan is such a breath of fresh air wherever he is for his entire career because it's like he is decades ahead of the competition. Yeah. You put him on TV now. He is decades ahead of everyone on television. Like I I think it was maybe Vince McMahon who said that. Uh, Bobby Heenan was the single most talented person he'd ever worked with. Yeah, he did say that. I remember seeing that in the documentary about. I, I I mean, seeing seeing Mean Gene on this interview, just trying his hardest not to burst out laughing <laughs> from from Bobby Heenan's antics. Yeah, I mean, so quick witted in an era where no one gave a shit. Like, it's really amazing work. Wait, so uh, was he promoting himself or no? He Yeah, so he did Bobby wrestle, Heenan right? Bobby Heenan wrestled, but he always wrestled as a side thing. He was never someone who was really ever going to make it as a wrestler. Oh. So it was like seasoning. So if he was going to wrestle, it would be like a it would be as a manager. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, like like those gimmicks. Okay. I see. Not yeah, like at a pro exactly. level. So, yeah. yeah, he was always a special attraction wrestler. Okay. Yeah, and then he'd lose, and they put him in the weasel suit. Yeah. Because for as great as Bobby was, he was but a weasel. He was really awesome. Like, he was a commentator from, I see here, 1984 to 1993. I think that covers the golden age. 
uh, yeah, and then in WCW he went even further. He oh was... right, yes, he left. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Him? Like the last few years weren't great, but pound for pound, it's always a shame he never got a, like a talk show. Yeah, of yeah. Some sort. Yeah, he never had his own segment, like you know, Brother Love or any of those guys, eh? Well, no, because he was on the whole show. I know you didn't need it. Well, that's true. That is true. Okay, so this is like our early generation managers. Mm -hmm. And after Lou Albano, we have the Grand Wizard. We have Bobby Heenan. Mm -hmm. We have Mr. Fuji. It's really the golden era of managers because there's a bunch of wrestlers who are all of a sudden on TV and they can't talk, but these guys can. And even better, these managers can take the heat for when a wrestler doesn't want to lose a match to lose his heat. So instead you beat up the managers instead. (laughs) This starts to peter out. We see fewer Paul Ellerings. Mm -hmm. We see fewer Elizabeths and Preciouses. Mm -hmm. But on the tail end of this golden era of managers, we find one Jim Cornette. And Jim and James E. Cornette the uh the the coddled rich uh racquetball playing son uh of a of a rich heiress uh he basically modeled his whole character mm-hmm. off of James E Barnett who was oh. a very high powered promoter who would promote either in Australia when he had legal issues uh or he would be sort of the kingpin of the national wrestling Alliance. He was in many ways, the godfather of the national wrestling Alliance in the same way that Tootsmont was of what would become the WWF. Yeah. And so he was one of the very first guys in the industry that everyone knew was gay. And he used his position of power uh, and his smooth talkingness to make sure things always went his way. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't afraid to use his power to make sure things went mm, his way. That is true. Behind the scenes. But he was quite a character. And Jim Cornette used that to his advantage. So let's take a look here mm-hmm. from World Championship Wrestling. Tony Schiavone interviews a young Jim Cornette. Three, two, one, play. We are back on World Championship Wrestling and awaiting the arrival of the Midnight Express, needless to say, Jim Cornette. It's a big honor of going to a Falcons game. You know what I'm talking about? Now, let me tell you something, Tony. I'm going to give you an unexpected opportunity today. I want you to stand there and I want you to tell me when I tell a lie. Stop me when I tell the truth. We've been coming out here, me and the Midnight Express, about six months now, right? Huh? Right, right. And I've been calling the Rock and Roll Express every kind of dog, every kind of coward, every name in the book, right? Right. And I've been challenging them for the World Tag Team titles, right? That's right. right. And don't you think if you were a man, don't you think if you had any guts, if you had any honor, any kind of intestinal fortitude, do you think you'd let somebody like me come out here and call you a dog and a coward and all the rest? Would you? Huh? I guess not. Well, they sure have. <laughs> 
All that has gone unanswered. We have been met with a resounding degree of silence from the Rock and Roll Express. Let me tell you something, Yeah, I want the world tag team title. And I want it right in my mother's living room where she can look up at them nice belts and say that's what my son won for me. The Midnight Express are the ones that are going to do it. You know why the Rock and Roll Express have ignored us? Why? Because they know. And I, I feel sorry for you guys. You realize that the Midnight Express are the one team in wrestling that can take you. You realize that you got no chance against the Midnight Express and you want to keep the World Tag Team title. You know if you avoid the Midnight Express like the plague, that's exactly what you're going to do. Keep the World Tag Team title because it can't nobody else take it away from you. And hey, I can't blame the Rock and Roll Express for wanting to be the World Tag Team Champions. What I can blame them for is coming out here and telling all these people that they can beat the Midnight Express because you're lying, Rock and Roll. You can't do it. And what I can blame them for is coming out here and telling all these people that they're big heroes of youth. Because you ain't. Because you're cowards. And one of these days, you're going to have to face these men. Ladies and gentlemen, anybody who messes with these men ends up on more floors than Johnson's Wax. Lover boy, Dennis, and beautiful Bobby, the Midnight Express. All right, so that's Jim Coronet. Uh, what, what, what do you think? Faster than Bobby Heenan, but I, he's definitely not yeah he can't spit it as quick as as like it just sounds like he's just on this train um he speaks faster yeah he's more cartoony but it feels like he's saying less yeah it? it doesn't feel like he's there's no oomph to it then then uh, but then again i'm i'm comparing him to bobby the brain and Right. Yeah. That and that just shows how amazing Bobby Heenan was, yeah. right? The fact yeah. that you can look at someone like Jim Cornette in his prime, who's quite possibly one of one of, you know, the top five best managers ever. Yeah. And there's such a clear difference between him and Bobby Heenan. Yeah. Uh, but but Jim Cornette but, very extensive career. Yeah. I always think that uh, like every when he came out, like when I saw him, when he got to WWF, I always thought he was trying to be Bobby Heenan. Interesting. Yeah. Like that, yeah, that was a bye bye guy. But mind you, I was a kid back then. I was Sure, sure, yeah. sure. Like when I see him, I, I mean, was just like, are you trying to be Bobby Heenan or are you just trying to see if you can outdo Bobby Heenan? So I wouldn't be yeah. surprised if Bobby Heenan rubbed off on him, you know? Uh, yeah, I mean, no, I wouldn't. Yeah. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like, it's just, it was just almost too identical to see like watch sure. on TV that like, yeah, maybe if Bobby Heenan wasn't there or I didn't hear him first, then yeah. But I don't know. But that, that yeah, no, I, I like Jim Cornette as a as a heel manager because he was, yeah, he was evil <laughs> outside of the ring. That's for sure. But I never understood so, why he carried all the <laughs> the rackets and then the feathery ones later on. And he's, he's just he's like, playing on his mama's uh, tennis court. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so Jim Cornette is kind of like a blend of Lou Albano and Bobby Heenan. Yeah. And what we're going to see as we exit the eighties and we enter the nineties is that our managers are going to get a little more gimmicky. We're going to veer away from Bobby Heenan's and more towards the Lou Albano's. And then Mm -hmm. we're going to go way past that as we're now going to take a look at 
one of the most gimmicky managers of all time. Uh, he was already an accomplished manager as Percival Pringle, but mm. he would not find his biggest fame until he went to the WWF and he managed the undertaker. Ooh. Of course you can't have an undertaker without, without a, a Paul, Paul bearer. bearer. <laughs> All right, nice. let's check this one out. Three, two, one play. Oh, yeah. Welcome. How did we get here from Jim Cornette? You know what? I think for theatrics, he was friggin' pretty. Here where my undertaker painstakingly assembles his many works of art. Many a departed soul have nestled down in the comfort of my It's just amazing how he stays in character perfectly like that. But for you, you, Yokozuna, a special one-of-a-kind casket will be made for a one-time-only match. Oh, yes, but Yokozuna... Double wide, double deep. Yep. you into this double wide, double deep <laughs> casket and slams the lid shut. There, there on the inside. Man, when people say wrestling isn't real, just show them this. Glowing in the dark. Nah, I can show you more. Rest in peace. That is so well connected. Like the camera zooms in. Right? Yeah. All right. That's good. Uh, So Paul Bearer yeah. is, I, I don't think there's any other person on the planet who could have made that work like Paul Bearer made that work. I think you'd agree with that. Oh, hell yeah. Like that was a, that was a gimmick that I've never seen before. And he was like really into it like at first when he when he first showed up it was just like okay this guy's a freak but then when you as, as you keep watching him it's just that character just comes to life it is just every time like i still remember in school everyone would imitate him like his yeah, oh, yeah how can you not <laughs> i cannot oh, I, yes. I can't do that <laughs> very high but he was really really good and yeah but i don't I wouldn't consider him as a full heel. Like, I mean, he, he tries to embalm people. Uh, yeah, but he also embalmed the heels. Like, for example, sure. I, as I recall, sure. this match, um, Undertaker versus Yokozuna, I think under, was this the one that Undertaker lost? Yeah. Yeah. yeah Undertaker's yeah. the good guy here. Yeah. He's the good guy too. Yeah. He, he turned face in this one. And I think when mm -hmm. he lost, that was like the best because they were pushing the casket away, and then you just see on the big screen, uh, Undertaker wakes up yeah, inside he, the casket, he, he, and, then and then he rises he above the ground. Yeah, like he appears on the other side, like he's floating in the air. Yeah, that was like really, <laughs> really awesome. Like I was wondering, like right. how the heck did they do that? <laughs> Do, so what they did, Mont, do you want me to tell you or do you want to keep the... Was it a trap door in the no. casket? Or who did they put they, in the casket? That's the thing. The Undertaker was in the casket. Okay. The video was pre-recorded. 
the person who shows up on the stage was a different person dressed as the Undertaker. Oh, is that the same guy that did the Undertaker versus Undertaker match? No. No? Who do you think was dressed as the Undertaker? Oh, snap. It's a superstar? Oh, it is. One we're quite familiar with. Oh, not that guy. I don't know. What guy? His initials is an MJ, or is it? <laughs> it was Marty Jannetty, oh, baby. Are you shitting me? Are you serious? <laughs> what? Swear to God. What? Swear to God. Yeah. Oh. It was Marty Jannetty all along. Marty Jannetty's been making memories for you, Monty, oh. this whole time. No way. Are you serious? Yeah. Party Marty. Oh, my God. I got to look this up. I don't believe you. I swear to God. Swear to God. As Undertaker. Holy shoot. That yeah. was him. Yeah. What? But he wasn't. Marty Jannetty just making memories. He wasn't wrestling with WWE back then, was he? I thought he left during this I think this, this was. I, I think this was after he was hired for like the fourth time and before he got fired the fourth <laughs> oh, time. Oh, God. It's hard to keep track, to be honest. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, so his career. Yeah. So, so uh, Paul Bear is like the far end of the Lou Albano spectrum, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. After this era, Vince McMahon decides all of a sudden I don't like managers because it's paying like an extra amount of money for for people who like I don't need them, right? Because by this point, most wrestlers can talk themselves. And if they can't, Vince will just fire them and find people who can talk themselves. It saves on money. Right. So, you know, it's it's the 90s where the manager really loses his purpose. And I'm sure there's a few people yeah. who are still doing the whole, like, handle travel and stuff. But it, that's really an 80s thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so we enter this dark age of managers in wrestling and a few pop up here and there of the sinister minister, James Mitchell, who shows up. Yeah. Um, not memorable. Sonny Ono shows up. He's okay. Uh, (laughs) Deborah is a manager for a bit, but like nothing super great. Yeah. It kind of died out during that time. Yeah. It, It really did. Uh, there was all the way through the two thousands, there was really only one woman who carved out a niche for several years, or at least the most successful at being a manager in the WWE. And that woman was Eddie Guerrero's widow, Vicky Guerrero. And so we're going to check out this clip of Vicky Guerrero with her charge, Dolph Ziggler, as they confront John <laughs> Cena. And we're going to check that out in three. Two, one, play. As you can see, we are now at scripted dialogue. Yeah. She doesn't deserve this. Crowd hates her though. <laughs> she did play a very bad. They're a lively bunch yeah. here in Austin, I tell you. 
you had the opportunity to show footage, <laughs> I would have my own footage. Okay, okay, all right, all right, all right. We've made some ground. Apparently, after TLC last night, Dolph Ziggler is still the Intercontinental Champion. Yes. The, the wonderful and beloved Vicky Guerrero has brought out a clip to show us. Roll the clip. <laughs> there are some moves that are performed by our superstars that are truly right, beyond words. Now. Your only reaction yeah. can be, holy, you know what? <laughs> Jerry, that's the same reaction I had when Michael Cole cost you your WWE Championship. <laughs> You know, Vicky, that's probably the reaction that Dolph Ziggler has every time you model some new lingerie for him. Excuse me? I think that's You've enough. Lost weight? Yeah. Look around, uh, I we're think going you're to fat it. shaming now. All right. Well, so that was so so that was managers in the two thousands. That was that was like that was 20, pretty bad. Uh, that was 2012, I think. 2011. A uh, pretty rough, pretty rough drop off considering the Paul Bearer promo was like 20 yeah. years beforehand. There, there's scripting dialogue. Vicky really doesn't get to say or do much. Uh, yeah. And really, she's just a verbal punching bag rather than a uh, rather than an in-ring punching it's, bag. Yeah, it's kind of sad because didn't she? She started making an appearance after Eddie died, right? And then yeah, she just became like WWE just turned into a joke kind of thing. It's kind of hard to watch if you ask me. I mean, I I mean, she I don't know like, if she's supposed to be supposed to be that way, but yeah, I don't know. For she did her job very admirably. Yeah. And for what they asked her to do, she did a good job. Yeah. But compared to like managers back in the day, like you have to understand how many handcuffs she's in here, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was it, right? Like this was the only manager of any substance. I mean, like there's I don't know, Runjan Singh and Armando Alejandro Estrada and Simon Dean, but like you know, we're talking about substance here. Vicky was a manager for years and years. And, like, that was what we had. So, it's sad. But, luckily, there was change on the horizon. Mm-hmm. Because with the return of Brock Lesnar to pro wrestling, mm-hmm. he would also encourage Paul Heyman to come back to be his manager as well. And Paul Heyman, one of the great promoters and managers in wrestling history... Uh, he really brought back the art of being a manager, which he had done since the 90s. He's part of that Jim Cornette generation. Since ECW. Since before ECW. Since he was Paul E. Dangerously in in WCW. right. Oh, he he was at WCW first, and then he went to make ECW? He sued WCW for firing him for... It was a, it was like a a lawsuit about him being fired because he was Jewish, I think. Yeah. And so he settled out of court, and he used the money he got from that to invest into ECW, which then afterwards got bought by WWE. That's right. Yeah. Oh. Okay. But 
but Paul Heyman plays a very important role here because he's like the one guy who remembers the old school way of doing mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And even though there's guys on the Indies like Prince Nana who are who are very strong managers, on a national scale, we really only have Paul Heyman to carry the spirit alive. And one of his best performances isn't even as a manager in a sense. Mm-hmm. This promo we're about to watch here is after... Brock Lesnar uh, tells Paul Heyman he doesn't need him anymore. Oh. As Brock Lesnar is preparing to face Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship. This is in 2018. He's being interviewed by Renee Young. <laughs> and we're going to see how the art of selling a match and how the art of promoting wrestlers has changed under the eyes of someone as knowledgeable and experienced as a Paul Heyman. Three, two, one, play. Paul, I really appreciate you being able to sit down with me tonight. Now, last week when Monday Night Raw ended, it appeared that you and your client, sorry that um, Brock Lesnar wow. and yourself have severed really your business ties. Heyman, Where do you and Brock Heyman looks stand destroyed. Right now? Yeah. Covered in tears. I don't know. Um, Brock Lesnar has disconnected his you phone. You can tell number. how devoted he is to that. I've character. tried to reach even him he, through intermediaries, and I he didn't I, shave. You can yeah. tell. I don't know where we stand. So you've not spoken to Brock Lesnar at all since last week. No. Okay. Uh, well, Paul, and, and and not that I haven't wanted to, but obviously he doesn't want to take my phone call. Paul Andrews. You don't have a problem with this, guys, to be honest. Um, Brock's not going to like this. I mean, I'm, I'm out here talking in public about this. This is kind of like a private matter. <laughs> it's wow. just going to piss him off more. Really good. Well, we can go from your point of view if you like. I mean, it seemed abundantly clear last week that Brock Lesnar does not consider you his friend, that you're his employee. Do you consider Brock Lesnar? You're really enjoying this, aren't you? Like I have this coming. Wow, the team. Like no. I deserve this. No, well, I'm just trying to get to the bottom of what exactly happened between you and Brock. <laughs> so am I. Vicks. So do you consider we'll Brock, Brock Lesnar a friend of yours? Yes, I do. And my children consider his children to be their friends. I don't want anybody close to my family. He certainly doesn't want anybody close to his family. This is not how I envisioned it ending. We always, since the beginning, we've always talked about riding off into the sunset together. The Universal Championship over one shoulder, the UFC title over the other, and me standing behind him, proclaiming to the world the reigning defending. Paul, at this point in Brock Lesnar's career, do you think that he still needs Paul Heyman? Paul, do you want to take a minute? Shakes his head no. Come on. Do it. Just do it. Do your job. You spent a lot of time here. Hypothetically, if Brock Lesnar was not around... Is there anybody else here that maybe you have your eye on as a potential client? 
Wouldn't that question be inconceivable a week ago? Wouldn't it be? Wouldn't it be? Sure. This whole situation is inconceivable to me. How can I, how can I, just go with somebody else? Just interchangeable? Okay, well, um, SummerSlam, this is my final question to you. Brock Lesnar or Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship, who's going to walk away the winner? I've known Brock Lesnar for 16 years. I've been through every up and down that he has accomplished and that he has suffered, and I've never seen Brock Lesnar like this. I've never seen him more driven. I've never seen him more focused. And I know this isn't a word we like to use around here. I've never seen him more violent. Against this Brock Lesnar? Roman Reigns doesn't stand a chance. Okay. That so it's really well done. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Paul Heyman is one of the best actors in wrestling. Yeah. Uh, like... He's sort of sort of going in the opposite direction, right? Sort of bringing it back mm-hmm. a little bit to reality. Yeah. Yeah. But wait, is he does other things besides being uh in, in the involved in the show, right? Uh, it comes in and out. Oh, okay. But what Paul Heyman did here is he's this has been lauded as one of his best performances yeah yeah he said that he didn't shave all week Mm -hmm. and he said that he put on uh the the suit he wore yeah was the suit he wore to his father's funeral Ooh. and so he had that in his mind (laughs) and he he told them he was like he said i'm gonna walk in i'm gonna sit down like just hook me up. He's like basically sort of like method. Acting, yeah, very method. Yeah. But I mean, just a fantastic performance, yeah. and what a way to sell a match. Yeah. Am I right? Yeah, he's really good. Like you know, <laughs> yeah. I have to say, next after Bobby Heaton, like Paul Heyman to me is like the next best um, heel manager, in my opinion. I, I, Paul I really Heyman's like up him. there. Yeah. He's definitely up there. He's got the resume. Yeah. The only thing I would say about Paul Heyman is I don't think he has the resume of wrestlers that Bobby Heenan has in mm, that. Yeah. Paul Heyman has managed more world champions yeah. than Bobby Heenan has. That's true. Easily. Yeah. But I think Bobby Heenan's wrestlers benefited more from Bobby Heenan than Paul Heyman. Yeah. But so, yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's 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 hard, right? Yeah, it's, it's impossible really, to really, quantify. Yeah, yeah. If not, they're near, very close, neck and neck. So, so Paul Heyman bring he keeps the idea of a proper pro wrestling manager alive, mm-hmm. but it's not until the foundation of AEW that the idea of a manager is brought back to the forefront Mm. we have arn anderson jake the snake roberts uh, a a, a whole litany of 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 managers come in a lot of which are older wrestlers retired like tully blanchard yeah yeah 
And they use these guys to help cover some of the weaknesses of their rising talent. So instead of having a wrestler like Lance Archer, who's very talented, but does isn't very great at promos, they paired him with Jake Roberts. And now Lance Archer is really good at promos. But the final video we're going to check out is from this year, 2023. Ooh. It's... Hard to argue that the number one manager in AEW and potentially the number one manager in all of wrestling right now is Don Callis, formerly Cyrus the Virus in ECW. Oh, yeah, I remember him. And formerly of the Truth Commission in the WWF. And so Don Callis is now starting up his own family which is in the same vein as the Bobby Heenan family from the 60s. Mm-hmm. And his first charge is Kenosuke Takeshita, who we talked he about joined them. up with. Yeah. Who he joined up with by betraying the nephew he never had in Kenny Omega. <laughs> and so let's check out how Don is given a warm welcome by the AEW Dynamite faithful, here in three, two, one, play. Diego, where our colleague Tony Schiavone has a very unenviable task. Excalibur Here's Tony Schiavone again. <laughs> he honestly throat. looks kind of the and same. In my mouth, <laughs> With the when I say this name, here comes Don Callis. And listen to that crowd reaction. Vicky <laughs> Guerrero, eat your heart out. <laughs> so here they come. The chorus of booze is their theme music. A shocking and incredible scene this past Sunday at Double or Nothing. Don Callis leaving the broadcast position, handing a screwdriver to Wheeler Yuta, but then Kanosuke Takeshita coming from the crowd to turn the tide for the Blackpool Combat Club. And we understand that's so, the elite after speaking to Alex Marvez earlier tonight. They have left the arena and he's finally, you know, he's finally signed on to Kenny Omega had left the country but was not in yeah. Canada. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. went from a new that, Japan that commentator to an executive at Impact Wrestling to now the top Kenny manager is, in AEW. Wow. The catch with the shocker. And, and you, you know, you after being more or less chased out of the industry in the early 2000s. Yeah. All these two men. Are they in the Blackpool Combat Club? And he wouldn't give an answer. He kind of led it to, let's kind of see what Don Callis says. So here we are. All right. <laughs> so Sunday night, double or nothing. Not so sure. We talked to Brian Danielson, whose side you're on, who you were with. One thing we know for sure, you apparently have yourself a new protege. Crowd's not letting him have it. I sincerely hope that those boos are for Kenny Omega. (laughs) See, this is how you control a crowd that's booing you. Mm -hmm. Says a line, turns around, looks shocked that the crowd boos. Everything for Kenny Omega. <laughs> Every 
time he says a line, he's just like shocked. <laughs> IWGP title because of me. AEW <laughs> title because of me. You chose your friends. And I blame you, Omega. I blame you, Kenny. You have destroyed my family. <laughs> you have destroyed my family. And maybe I lost a nephew. I didn't really but I it. gained a son. I, I think they are I think he he was this is I, the I think Kenny's like uncle trained on Callus or something like that yeah. they've said it like five times I'm just blanking right now better than Ricky Dozon oh don't you dare disrespect Ricky Dozon Not no. better than Baba. Better than Okada. Yeah, the Japanese wrestler was the one that we showed that clip a few episodes ago. He's better. So he finally Omega. is signed on here. I thought you said he was just floating. Right? They, they're, they're partnered with New Japan. Oh, okay. So he can go back and forth. Yeah. that crowd riled up which is awesome all right what what i find fascinating about this okay. i mean it's a good promo you, you'll admit right yeah but what i find fascinating is that when you really look at the brass tacks of what he's doing it's more or less the exact same thing that bobby davis was doing over 60 years ago that's true that is true and and, and that's not a slight against don Callis. It, it's i think it's impressive that bobby davis had the base idea for a heel manager all the way back in the sixties. And it was iterated on by Bobby Heenan. It was iterated on by Lou Albano, by Jim Cornette, by Paul Bearer. Paul Heyman keeps it alive. And now guys like Don Callis are better than ever. Yeah. Yeah. So out of all of these, who would you say was the best that we saw today oh the best the one and only i have to say bobby heenan he's much more hard. he's like really on the spot like he knows how to deliver it like really well 
and it's really hard to fight it. Yeah, yeah but okay, like I ah oh man, it is tough. Like I would say Bobby Heenan and and Paul Paul Heyman, but if you told me to choose only one, I'm sorry, I gotta go with my man Bobby the Brain Heenan. He's you have to. I grew up you with him. To. I watched how he did it, and he actually, you know. He he did it. He he actually revived it uh, from an improv perspective, and then it just started to fall apart after he left. And then yeah, it, and then you see you start seeing people go back to that that style, if you want to call it, in in terms of you know selling it on on TV and you know routing up the crowd i think bobby keenan does it best like he he just has this wit to it you know it's it's hard to argue yeah, against it it is it? yeah but oh man <laughs> you can tell who's bad and who's good so <laughs> <laughs> well i'm so glad monty that i could take you through this journey yeah of the a brief history of pro wrestling managers um and 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 monty if you ever need to get into the ring <laughs> i would love to to be your manager oh <laughs> yeah it wouldn't be a bit long career that's for sure <laughs> you can be the you can be the platinum terror <laughs> the platinum t- now nah, i'll be the asian terror <laughs> Uh, actually you know what i i always had a a nickname in 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 school i think if i were my wrestling nickname my wrestler name would probably be asian mutation (laughs) that's good (laughs) so yeah what would your what would your wrestler name Oh me! Oh my Come god! Come on, See, you have so, one up your sleeve. I know it. So, uh, my name yeah would be Benjamin Gamble. Why Benjamin Gamble? That sounds like a yeah, mob. Ben Gamble. <laughs> well, yeah. So that'd be like the thing, right? Is I'd like pay people off to make sure my guy wins. You know? Oh. <laughs> yeah. So like the Benny the ten, Gambler, like. DiBiase. <laughs> yeah, he stuffs exactly. a dollar down the guy's mouth after he beats them. Except a little sleazier. It'd be like quarters <laughs> instead. I like throw quarters at him afterwards because I'm like, I can't afford dollars, dude. It's a tough economy. Get out like a roll of pennies and just be. All of my offense would be uh would be coin base. That reminds me, wasn't there a time where Ted DiBiase managed? Um, Nikolai, and, and put a, yeah. That was put, the mid nineties. Yeah, and on his tights, he made him wear a tight the tights with a <laughs> yes. scent. Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> oh, I feel so bad for that guy because he was a face, worst, but he's being blackmailed no, the, or held hostage. The worst thing, the worst thing about it was they never paid it off. They just fired him. Oh. Seriously? So like they, he never got his yeah they he never got his come up and so they're just like all right that's it oh Frey. yeah that sucks yeah I remember near the end of Nikolai's uh, career he was been 
yeah, he's been he was been dogged hard on TV. It was really really bad. So yeah. Anyways. Well, you know what? Maybe if Nikolai had a better manager, that wouldn't have happened. Like Benjamin hey. Gamble. <laughs> That's right, Benny the Gambler. Benny the Gambler. Benny the Gambler and and my latest client, the Asian Mutation. <laughs> and I spit mists in people's faces. <laughs> Ooh, okay. What what color mist? Do you know, Monty? Oh, this is this is what we're going out on. The green. This is what we're going definitely, out on. Definitely the acid, the green one, of course. Okay. <laughs> but do you know? That there are different abilities for each of the mist colors. Oh, dude, I watch Japan wrestling. I know. Well, I don't know. I wouldn't say okay. I know them off heart, but I know that they all okay. each have different meanings. So, okay. Well, well, let's see if you can get each of these. This is what we're going on. Okay. Green mist is acid, right? It obstructs the opponent's vision. Yes. So it hurts, but it does not. It's not acid. Okay. Red mist. Red mist, I think, is uh, fire. It burns or something like that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Red mist burns, also used as blood mist. Oh, Blue okay. mist. Blue is uh, a knockout one, right? They knock, yes, they spray the them and they're automatically down. Yeah. Yeah. Y- yep. Okay. Here's one. Yellow mist. Uh, is this supposed to Pokemon symbolize logic. like, um, like a mustard gas kind of thing? I think that's what uh, they were going th- for. Th- 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 think a little more cartoony. Cartoony. Yeah, think yellow? like Pokemon. What would yellow mist be? Oh, electricity, like a shock. Close paralysis. Paralysis. I thought that would be black. Well, I could be wrong. All right. Okay. This next one's only been used one time. Purple mist. No, I've never seen. I don't think I've seen purple before. Apparently, this was only used in TNA. Used for uh, momentary distraction and memory loss. (laughs) I can see why finally done ones. Finally, the most dangerous of the mists, oh, the black mist. Yeah. Yep. Uh, blindness. Tajiri. That's right. Tajiri, yep. the Japanese buzzsaw. He uses that one. He blinded Nidia. Yeah. Poor Nidia. Oh, he did? Oh, shit. <laughs> Wait. Did the Muda? Muda had red and green, I think. He never had Red and green are like the two most common, common yeah, because they stand out in 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 on TV. I think that's why yeah. they use it. Shoot, purple mist, right. really? Wow. Anyways, that's like, <laughs> but I love the mist game. It's it's pretty fun. So, well, you know, on. Monty, maybe the Asian mutation. If he's in a really hard fought match, he'll use mm-hmm. the green mist. Yeah, I use. The but green. if it doesn't work. <laughs> You can use the red mist. Yeah. yeah. And if that doesn't work, if that doesn't work, you can try using the blue mist. But, you know, Monty, if they're a really light sleeper, I'm sure you can get them with the black mist because the fourth times times the the charm. charm. Good night and good morning. 
Follow us on 4TTC.org and give us some feedback. And R slash yeah. 4TTC Reddit. Oh, in the Reddit. Yeah. And and Reddit. on Reddit, if you guys want to share some stories that you want me to check out and read on the air, I'd be happy to do that as well. You guys love my voice. Um, but yeah. From here on out, I guess I'll talk to y'all later. Woo!